Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupong. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just begin to bless the name of the Lord wherever you are. Just give Him praise. Give Him glory. Bless His holy name. Thank Him for today. Thank Him for His grace. Thank Him for His mercies. Thank Him for His goodness. Just lift up your voice and give Him glory. Give Him praise. Give Him glory. Give Him praise. Thank Him. You want to pray and prepare your hearts for the Word. You want to pray that the Lord Himself will open your heart. You open your mind. That you benefit fully from this word that is about to come forth today. In the name of Jesus, just lift up your voice. Lift up your voice and pray. Come against every obstruction from the enemy. Come against every obstacle to the entrance of the word. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God. Just lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this gathering because it's unto no other name but unto the name of Jesus. Because your word says, wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in their midst. Holy Spirit, we ask that you shall take absolute control. As I'm about to speak your word, may I not speak of my own accord, that may I speak as you grant me utterance. I take authority in the realm of the Spirit and I declare a supernatural injunction on any activity of the enemy. We declare the hearts and the minds of the people of God, sanctify them, made ready for them to have an encounter with their Father this evening. Take glory, Father, take glory, Son, take glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name, I will pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe you are all poised and ready for the word. As previously advertised, I'm continuing with what I started on Sunday and that is the topic how to behave in church part two how to behave in church part two um let's take our anchor verse the verse we used for the service on sunday that is first timothy first timothy chapter 3 verse 15 first timothy chapter 3 verse 15 and this is Paul speaking. He says, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. I'll take it again. He says, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the house of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And we establish that this scripture tells us that there is a way to conduct yourself in the house of God. There is a way to behave in the house of God. So quickly, by way of recap, I mentioned that I was going to divide the sermon into three sessions. If we are talking about how to behave in church, we divided it into before service, during service, and after service. And for before service, we talked about the fact that you must 
prepare yourself and pray into the meeting prepare yourself and pray into the meeting pray for the functionaries pray for the preacher pray for the one leading praise and worship and pray for yourself as well so you pray into the meeting and then you have to come to church on time and then you must be regular in church church on sunday coming to church is not optional we must have a paradigm shift in our thinking this thinking that it is okay to be at home on sunday it is not right if you are at home on a sunday without a very good reason you are going against the word of god you are going against the scriptures hallelujah hallelujah and then we got to how to behave during the service during the service um the main point i made was the fact that you must participate fully in the service fully if it's praise worship give yourself wholeheartedly to the worship give yourself wholeheartedly to the praise don't allow yourself to be intimidated by anybody if it is dancing you want to dance you dance if it is lifting up your hands you want to lift up your hands you do so if it is shouting you want to shout you shout hallelujah if you want to pray you pray you don't get distracted by anybody you don't allow yourself to be intimidated by anybody so today i'm going to continue with how to behave during the service and then we'll talk about after the service now the aspect of the during the service that i want us to concentrate on today is when the word is being preached or taught how do we behave when the word is being preached or taught now in the first place it is important not to shortchange yourself by deciding what type of sermon you like you know, people have, it's like me, yeah, I like sermons on prayer. So, oh, if they release the topic and it's prayer, huh, then I'm fully awake and fully alert. Some people also want sermons that are very deep, like very, very, very deep, difficult to understand. Then the preacher is deep. The preacher is a very, very, very good preacher, you know. So, if if the thing is too simple to understand then it's like i mean no you want topics that will flabbergast in fact even the topic you can't even understand the topic itself is 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 so deep it's so deep you know those are the things that get us awake and we want to hear more the mystery of the beard of aaron then we are excited (laughs) yeah you know interesting things like that those are the things that excite us so if it is too simple we shut our minds hello that's what today you know it's not it's not going to work like that and and when we do that we shortchange ourselves we shortchange ourselves some people too a sermon is only good if it speaks to them if it doesn't speak to their situation or something they are going through at that particular point in time then it wasn't a, a, a powerful sermon if you are going through financial difficulties and it speaks and encourages you that god will do it uh-huh, then it was a powerful sermon but you see god will release a sermon today against something you may go through tomorrow and when you are going through that thing tomorrow there may not be any word then 
so it is the bank of the word that you received earlier that you used to go through that situation hallelujah yes we don't know tomorrow so today's message may be a message against two weeks from now it may be a message against three weeks from now. It may be a message against three years from now. There is no guarantee that when you are going through the situation in three years' time, you will hear a message about that situation. Hallelujah. That is why you must accept every message with enthusiasm. You don't know when you will need it. You don't know when you need to, to dig into your word bank to pick that word for it to take you through a particular situation. Hallelujah. And you see... The reason why I'm saying you shouldn't shortchange yourself, a lot of people have that attitude and it's like they, they have done a great disservice to themselves over the years. The reason is that every Christian is expected to grow. And one of the cardinal things about growth is that growth is about addition. When you say somebody has grown, it means he has added to his weight or added to his height or something. One of the, the things, one of the cardinal things about spiritual growth is that you add to your knowledge base and you add to your revelation base. Hallelujah. So in order for you to grow, something must be added unto you. And one of the ways of growing is that you know things you didn't know before. You have revelations of certain things you didn't have before. And we receive these things through the messages that are preached to us. So even if the thing is not speaking to a current situation of yours, it is adding to your knowledge and it is adding to your growth. Hallelujah. When you have this mindset, you receive every word that is preached with enthusiasm because you know it is, it is teaching you something new. It is adding unto you and adding to the process of your spiritual growth. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible talks about, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it talks about a time that will come when people will not want to endure sound doctrine okay but they'll look for for preachers who preach the things that they want to hear can i have second timothy 4 3 second timothy 4 3 he said for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear hallelujah so this is what the bible is saying that a time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine they want to hear what they want to hear but god wants you to listen to the whole counsel of god hallelujah it must be a holistic thing that is why a pastor must be somebody who can preach on almost everything you can't say, oh, you, your ministry is revival. So every Sunday, revival, 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 revival. If your people need revival all the time, then there's a problem somewhere. Hallelujah. Say, you, your ministry is Holy Ghost. So every day, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost like that. You must teach them the, the whole counsel of God. It's, it's a whole package. And you must hit on, you know, different things at different times. Hallelujah. Yeah. So you mustn't have a skewed mind before the, the 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 sermon is preached you mustn't have a, a skewed mind at oh, all this one there is not along my line i don't need it let's say you are going to talk about drunkenness say, oh speak to them that's for me i don't drink but you see you need some information that will help you to help a drunkard out 
you need some information so that when people are arguing wrongly or saying wrong things, you can correct them. Now, there's a lot of debates on social media and stuff like that. You can contribute and educate somebody. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, it may not apply to you personally, but the information and the knowledge you acquire will help you to help somebody. You see, when people approach a sermon with a mindset of, oh, it has to be for me, for me, for me, for me, you are approaching the sermon with a saloon car mentality. Why am I saying saloon car mentality? A saloon car has fuel just for itself. It has enough fuel to carry it around. That is all it needs. But you must approach a message with a tanker mentality. And when I say a tanker mentality, I mean, you see, a tanker has fuel for itself. It can move around with the fuel, but it also has some for distribution for others. Hallelujah. You must approach a sermon with a tanker mentality. Now, this is not just for me. I should be able to, to speak about this, this, this subject when a debate arises about it. When somebody comes to ask me a question, a younger brother of yours comes to ask you a question on drunkenness. You should be able to have appropriate scriptures. Hallelujah. To speak on the issue. At the workplace, issues come up. People debate. And they say, ah, you are the one who goes to church. Tell us something. And you can't say anything. So you must, you must approach the message with the tanker mentality. Hallelujah. That it's not just for you. You have what you need from it. But you, you also have enough to distribute to others to give unto other people as well amen so that's number one do not shortchange yourself by deciding what kind of sermon you like and what kind of sermon will move you number two don't be a source of discouragement to the preacher when the preacher is preaching anybody who has preached before will know that there are there are things that can discourage the preacher and I'll name some of them. And you mustn't be the source of that kind of discouragement. Hallelujah. Any preacher who is discouraged while he's preaching will not preach as well as he could have preached if that source of discouragement wasn't there. What are some of these things that discourage a preacher? Number one, getting up and walking about unnecessarily during the sermon. Hallelujah. Yeah, if you are standing and people are there and then uh, somebody gets up, walks around. Especially those who are in front who can be seen easily. You just get up and, you know, go and do something. It's distracting to the preacher and it is a source of discouragement. Hallelujah. Unless it is absolutely necessary to get up. Unless you are an usher. Unless you are a functionary. Unless you are taking pictures or something sit down and listen attentively to what is being said. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, but if you're preaching, you're preaching, just concentrate on your preaching and preach. It is not like that. Preachers are human beings. <laughs> it's not like that. Oh, but it's, it's, you say God has given you a message. Just come and deliver the message and go, what do you need encouragement from me for? Any public speaker. This one, it's not, it's not just our preaching every public speaker doesn't like signs of discouragement if you ask a politician who speaks on the rally ground it will be the same a teacher teaching in the or a lecturer lecturing in the lecture hall it is the same thing 
it is a fundamental thing with public speaking or or standing in front of people when people are walking around doing unnecessary what you are trying to tell the person is that what you are doing is not that important just hurry up and finish and let me do more important things and trust me it affects the delivery it affects the delivery if that thing were not there the person would have delivered the message better so getting up and walking about unnecessarily and the key word is unnecessary if it is necessary fine but if it is unnecessary it is it is distracting it is a source of discouragement for the preacher two looking disinterested while the preaching is going on some people have this face either they are trying to say you are preaching nothing you are not saying anything or what you are saying i know already so hurry up and go <laughs> as somebody will say they'll say some, some of them will even say the look is like i know where you copied this message from i know the one who preached the original one <laughs> that look of yeah i know what you're coming to say next and all of that you know looking disinterested but you see even if somebody is preaching a message you have heard the same person preach before let me tell you one thing no two messages are the same the person can even chew the same words and use the same words but the fact that it's a different location and different time the spirit of god backing or the the nature of the anointing backing the thing will be different hallelujah yeah and in fact no two sermons are even the same you hear the person preach it a second time and you hear something you didn't hear before sometimes those of us who even preach it's like you end up saying something like hey i didn't even know this one before god just adds to the message and keeps adding to the message amen so don't get too familiar with the message don't get too familiar with them and look disinterested. The moment the topics are, oh, this one, it was preached. You even know the date. <laughs> it was preached on so so and so. I know, I know, I know. Point number one is this. Point number two is this. Point number three is this. But that is even why we encourage people to get the messages. You are not supposed to listen only one. So what's wrong with it being preached live to you more than once? Hallelujah. So you must listen with enthusiasm even if you've heard the sermon before. Even if the person that is preaching you, you, you know how the person got the message. Even if the jokes the person says in the what you know already, laugh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh look, oh look, it's another joke for another day. <laughs> but when you sit there and you look disinterested, it's like, you know, it is a big source of discouragement. Another source of encouragement is when you see the person looking disinterested and chewing gum while the preacher is preaching. Chewing gum. Some people claim it's a way of keeping awake. Chewing gum. And looking, it's like this, this, you, are, you are disinterested in what is going on. So there are these very, very little things that just minister discouragement to the preacher. Another way of looking disinterested is, is being on your phone, talking, texting, or whatever. If you are not using the phone for anything that is related to what is going on, it is a distraction. It is a source of discouragement for the preacher. And then 
sleeping during the service. Sleeping during the service. There are some people, when they go to their houses, they have insomnia. They, have, they find it difficult to sleep. The moment they are in church, it's like their eyes become heavy. Try to open their eyes and they are rubbing their eyes and they are yawning. The worst is when they are in front, like <laughs> close to the front. <laughs> now it's like telling the preacher master, sit down, go and find somewhere to sit. Yawning, trying to keep their eyes open like that. We must endure sound teaching. We must be able to sit and endure sound teaching. Hallelujah. Don't be like Eutychus. Slept when Paul was preaching. From that scripture, at least like Paul, he thought, Paul, like he thought. After midnight, you know, the guy was still, he said, the Bible said he wanted to finish what he had to say before moving from <laughs> trials that night. So he was talking, talking, talking. And the man who was sitting by there, he said, those in Charlie. Apostle Revine Yepe, but Okasadudo. And he fell from the height. I don't know how you are going to do it, but try not to sleep while the, the sermon is going on. Hallelujah. And then talking too much when the, the message is being preached, talking and just whispering. Apart from being a source of discouragement to the preacher, you are also being a source of distraction. For those that are around you. So avoid talking too much. The next point is that you must write notes. You must write notes when the word is being preached. You have to write notes. For me, coming to church with a notebook is more important than coming with a Bible in these days. And the emphasis is on these days. These days because now we have Bibles on phones, on gadgets that you take already. You, you don't necessarily need to carry a Bible with you, but you have to carry a notebook or something you can use to take notes. Maybe the same phone or a tablet or whatever. You know, there are some people who are very hard on some of these things like hey me as for the bible it has to be leather paper you know and most of them use the scripture that says this book of the law this book of the law somebody was trying to use that book of the law thing we're talking about no it says this book of the law i told you the original law was on tablets <laughs> Moses received it on tablets. So we to have it on modern day tablets. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. But you need something you can use to take notes. The reason is that, you know, when I was teaching you on, when I was speaking on the subject of um, let's go to church, I mentioned that Jesus comes into our midst. And one of the things he does as he did for the, the apostles when he appeared unto them, was that the Bible said he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So while the service is going on, something will be said, and Jesus will open your mind to understand it in a certain way. You see, because you have so much on your mind and stuff like that, if you don't put the thing down, it, it can just escape. 
we preachers, or okay, let me talk for myself. A lot of times, I, I make sure I have something I can use to write notes, whether on my phone or whatever. Because sometimes a message can hit you unexpectedly and you have to put it down. If you don't, 10 minutes later, you're trying to remember what came to your mind and you've, you've forgotten, like it's, it's completely gone. So I, I have a notepad on my phone. If the thing comes, if I open that notepad to you right now, you see topics of messages with no notes. Like the topic just hits my mind like that, and I put it down, you know. If I don't do that, I'll forget. In the same way, while the message is being preached, and those who are preachers, you know that when you are listening to somebody preaching, one sentence the person will say can turn into a whole sermon for you, the preacher. Just one sentence that is spoken can be a whole sermon, all right? So these things happen when you are listening to a preaching and you need to put it down. Sometimes it is a personal word for you. The Holy Spirit makes you understand something that is said in relation to your situation in a way nobody else will understand. And you need to put it down. Otherwise, you'll forget. So notes, taking of notes, very, very, very important. Taking of notes, very, very important. Point number four. Give appropriate responses during the preaching. Give appropriate responses. Let me show you something in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Most of the time we use this for for, for another purpose, but I want to show you something there. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. He said, And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. The key word is eagerly. So there's a certain eagerness that must come with receiving the word of God. Hallelujah. Eagerness that is visible, eagerness that is palpable, eagerness that is tangible. And there are ways of showing eagerness. You see, we all differ in our temperaments. There are those who can stand and say, preach on. It's a way of showing eagerness. There are some people whose nature is just not like that. But at least you can nod. You can nod. Nodding. Nodding, nodding as a way of a, a encouraging the preacher that, oh, okay, you are, saying, you are saying something. Yeah, you are saying something. You see, when something is said, it's, it's like football. Whenever you hit the target, there is a reaction. Hit the target, the goal. You hit it. There's a reaction. We react. Some people even say they are introverts, but when their team scores, when Ghana scores during the World Cup, all of us, nobody's into, nobody starts since then, like, <laughs> thank God we have scored. We all jump from our seats and we jubilate. You hug people you've not even met before and all of that. In the same way, when they shoot the word and it hits a target in you, there must be a response. Hallelujah. There must be a response. If for nothing at all, it's, it's a nod. A nod will do. If you are the type who can say, preach on, you say, preach on. If if you are the type who can say, you are speaking to me. <laughs> speaking to me. There are certain things when you say, nobody will say, you are speaking to me. Say, stop committing adultery. You will never get such responses. Don't everybody's face is straight. Like, speak to them, speak to them. Tell them. <laughs> So, appropriate responses. But while talking about appropriate responses, it's important to know that 
it mustn't, you mustn't overdo it such that it distracts people from the main message that is being preached. Because sometimes, hey, me have seen some people. <laughs> the person's like, as if the person wants to go and collect their microphone and preach. The preacher hasn't even said anything. No, hey, bishop, preach. Hey, bishop, say it. Hey, I'm talking to me. It's already a good message. <laughs> it's like you want to collect the microphone from the, from the preacher and speak yourself. That kind of thing can be distracting. Sometimes one of the ways of reacting to a message is, is, is to pray. So there are people who, while the message is going on, they pray. They say, but if you decide that you pray on top of your voice and drown the voice of the preacher, that becomes a distraction. If you do that, I'll <laughs> tell the ushers, <laughs> uh, let, let him go and pray some, in some corner. You know, you let him fellowship with God in the corner. While we finish preaching the message, hallelujah. Appropriate responses are, are very, very important. They are very, very important. When a preacher is preaching, he says, Praise the Lord, and everybody is looking at his face. He says, Hallelujah, and people are looking at it. Somebody was saying, Praise the Lord, and the people were not responding. He said, Amen, Yentong. It's not for sale. You are not paying one Ghana CD just to be able to say Amen. And I've explained to you here what Amen can do. The things amen say, just saying amen can activate. By saying amen, you connect prophetically to what is being said. Yeah, you, 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 you connect prophetically. And you see, appropriate responses, the key word is appropriate. There are some messages you can write notes. And that is the best way to relate to the message. There are others you have to put your pen down and connect to the spirit of the message and say amen when amen has to be said. And even pray along with it as the message is being said. We call that prophetic preaching. And most of the time with that one, the preacher himself doesn't know the next thing he's going to say. He's just speaking under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Now, and it's not time to, to be right point number one, point number two, point number three. You see, there are, there are different ways of preaching. There are different types of preaching. I had one man, a very, very, very good Christian and all of that. But you see, when we become so skewed in our mind and our understanding of things, we shortchange ourselves. He believed that the only correct way of preaching the word is to do expository preaching. Expository preaching is, is just one of the types of preaching. I told you sometime, was it at the beginning of the year or last year, that this year God is laying on my heart to actually um, have a school, power from the pulpit, to train people, to teach people about ministering or preaching the word and also ministering in the spirit. A school, it will be an interdenominational thing. COVID permitting, we'll do that this year. Hallelujah. Yeah. The, the expository preaching is just one type of preaching. It's just one. When I talk about expository preaching, you've taken a text and you go line by line and you explain it. There are certain times you realize I do that. I just take the text. I go line by line, line by line. And he is very vociferous about the fact that that is the only way preaching has to be done. You can't go and take a scripture from here and take a scripture from there and take a scripture. But I don't see any rule like that in the Bible. Even Jesus is preaching it was story so he was a storyteller jesus used the method of analogies 
it's a very very powerful tool in preaching in delivering your message to the people even in school the best teachers are the ones who can simplify the thing for you to understand those who come and talk high falutin you say oh the, the guy knows that's all you say that the guy he, he knows he knows but he's not a good teacher he's not a good teacher so depending on how the message is, is coming you must know how to relate to the message for some messages it is to write down but for others it is to give spiritual responses to the thing when the things are spoken and declared you connect with the thing spiritually so that's what we mean by appropriate responses so the amen and the preach on and whatever it must be done but it must be appropriate hallelujah and it shouldn't be so much so that it distracts your attention and the attention of other people from the main thing that is being done so still during the service don't be in a hurry to leave don't be in a hurry to leave when it comes to closing time we all remember suddenly that we have watches but coming on time is a problem coming on time is a problem and it's those who come late to who look at their watches the most. When oh, the, the, the service is supposed to end at 11, it's 11, 10.58. Suddenly, they start getting jittery and, you know, agitating. Let me tell you one thing. Let me be honest with you about something. If you are in a church and week in, week out, when you are sitting in the service, you are eager to leave you are probably in the wrong church if you are eager to leave like you want the service must close the service must close you you need to look at it again you are probably in the wrong church there are a lot of people who are who are, are trapped in in quotes wrong churches they don't enjoy being there probably because this is my family's church probably because this is where i'm expected to go that sort of thing but you see on the judgment day you stand in front of god alone you're not going to stand with your father you're not going to stand with your mother you're not going to stand with your auntie or your uncle it is you you are going to give an account of what you have done with the gifts he has given you you're going to give an account of what you have done with the time that he has given you and everything if you're in a place and you you don't feel comfortable look for another bible believing church and attend the most important thing is that the church is bible believing we need to come to a point where we are kingdom of god minded rather than denominational minded there are people in places and and they, they, it's just not them probably the language that is used to preach doesn't really get but somebody you you flow more with tree preaching and you're in a church that speaks only english look for a proper tree preaching church and go and enjoy the house of god is supposed to be such that you, you, you mustn't look forward to leaving. When David says one day in your courts is better than a thousand, thousand elsewhere. But you, when you come to the house of God, it's like, two, even one hour is like thousand years. It's too slow. It is a sign. You, you are probably in the wrong place. Either there's something wrong with you yourself, you are too carnal and not spiritual enough, or you are probably just in the wrong place. And this is something people must start thinking about. 
Hallelujah. Yeah, don't be in a hurry to leave church. Don't be in a hurry to leave church. Sometimes churches make themselves slaves to liturgy. Liturgical slaves. When I say liturgy, liturgy is just the program. <laughs> it's nothing. When we say liturgy, we are talking about the program, the order of service. How it's it's, it's so when I'm using the term liturgy, it's not anything big. We are we have become slaves to liturgy. Oh, this is how it's supposed to be. So we opening prayer. Normally that's the that's the opening prayer, praises, worship, song ministration, introduction of preacher, the word, and then offer tree, closing announcement, benediction, we are gone. That's constant liturgy. That is it. But may I suggest that there are times that the Holy Ghost wants to change the liturgy a bit. He wants to switch things a little bit. Hallelujah. And that is where the leaders must be sensitive to what the Spirit of God wants to do. On Sunday, if you would notice, it got to a point where a very strong spirit of prayer just came into the meeting. I would have spoiled that atmosphere by deciding that, look, I have to finish my sermon. I had to put the sermon aside for us to flow in whatever God was doing for us to come and continue today. Hallelujah. We mustn't be slaves to liturgy. Oh, this is how it's supposed to be. Just have prepared the sermon. I have three points. Before church, during church, after church, I'm during church and you want to pray. Sit down, sit down, sit down. <laughs> Let me finish giving you the, you know, the word. We, we mustn't be slaves to liturgy. Look, in, in atmospheres of true revival, when you read, if you're a student of the history of revival, you realize that one of the cardinal signs of revival is that meetings go beyond the time that they were scheduled to close. When you read about the, I've forgotten the name of the, it's one of these revivals in America that took place in a school, in a university. Is it Bronzeville or? something one of those revivals the revival just hit the campus and the whole campus they didn't have you know they had one big church everybody used to attend they started the service on sunday morning they were supposed to finish around 11 a.m or i think 12 noon. they finished wednesday afternoon no, nobody wanted to leave and people were rather trooping in it was like it was as if god had come down People in their rooms who didn't go to church were now trooping into the place like the presence of God or people were weeping, singing. Nobody wanted to leave the place. People who were even outside the campus could feel that like that, it's like there's something, something. Something is just going on in the place like that. You know, you read about Azusa Street Revival, they, they could have services 12 hours straight and nobody was tired. I believe a lot of revivals have been killed by liturgy a lot of revivals have been killed by by our our set ways in our programs and the way we want things to go look there are times you can go to church eh? and the worship you can't stop it because that day that is what god wants you to do just to worship you don't stand in such a meeting and say ah, no more because in church I mean we definitely have to preach it's, it's, it's not like that yes it's good to have a program but we must be sensitive to what God wants to do at any particular point in time hallelujah yeah 
So let's not be so. What do you call it? We are. We are. It's like we are. We are slaves to time. We must respect time, but we mustn't be slaves to time. So that, hey, they say twelve o'clock. When you go two past twelve, if there's an open meeting in the church. What do you have? the other day we closed at two past twelve? But you yourself, when did you come? Did you come on time? For me, if 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 you are not in the habit of 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 being on time for anything, you don't have any business criticizing the closing time. Solve the problem of the coming on time. In fact, most of the time, if you start on time, the likelihood is that you close on time. Hallelujah. Yeah, let's 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 not be in a hurry to leave the house of God. Having said that, it doesn't also mean that um room must be made for excesses. That times you know the service you realize that things are just being dragged. When you're in such a meeting, they say pity. It's like you know, it's like the anointing has lifted off whatever is being done, but you know, people just want to force and, you know, if it's such a situation, fine. But if you can see that God is not done with you and God is not done with the service, just just be there. Unless you really, 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 really have to go. I don't think there are any churches who lock their doors. If you really, 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 really have to go and you don't have a choice, the doors are open. You can leave. Nobody will hang off anybody to any seat. All right, but let's let's come. Let let let's eschew this this mentality of you know slavery to time. Yes, time must be respected, but time mustn't be made a god. Where we put the Holy Ghost in a box and put him in a corner in the church. Holy Ghost, just watch us do what we want to do. We must give the Holy Spirit the chance to do what he wants to do in the midst of the people. Hallelujah. So that's it with um, how to behave during service. Now, let me quickly do um, after service. After service, don't be in a hurry to leave church. Some people, even as the benediction is and they are grabbing their bag. When they say amen, <laughs> they just disappear from the church like that. Church is supposed to be a family. If you're in a church and you don't have any friend there, you are, you are, there's, there are, there's something wrong with you. You must have a friend. You must, you must, you must, that's why after church, they say, oh, shake somebody, hug somebody, say something nice to somebody. It's because church is supposed to be a family. Amen. In some churches, you go in the morning you come in there because <laughs> there are all sorts of things you will do meetings you will attend and stuff like that and those who really love church they don't see these things as a waste of time in fact for those who really love church the after church is another ceremony altogether they look forward to interacting with people meeting people taking pictures that they will put on their status. For those people, the, the, the after church is, is another ball game altogether. The service has its package. The one too has its package. And interaction in churches must be encouraged. When we build our headquarters, one of the things, one of the things is that, you see, nowadays in architecture, modern church architecture, it's not just building the building and putting a cross on it and that is it no there's a lot of what we call environmental psychology involved 
if you don't apply environmental psychology in the design of your building, you can have a building that doesn't encourage interaction. The way the walls are made and stuff like that, you can walk and never meet anybody. All of these things must be taken into consideration. And there are ones that can be built and you will meet somebody. So you have to greet somebody. You have to talk to somebody. A lot of modern day churches, when you go to US and so, they have a foyer where they have tables with chairs around it. Like how when you go to these uh, fast food joints and things, they are where people sit and chat and interact. A lot of churches now have restaurants incorporated into them. So Sunday afternoon, you can have your lunch in there. Yeah. You, you, you can have a shop where the ladies will do their shopping for the, for the week. Instead of going to work in Makola or some place, they just do it there at affordable prices. They, they interact, chat, gossip. Gossip small and do news update <laughs> while they are shopping. <laughs> yeah. So, so church is supposed to be a family. If there's some bouncy castles and things for the children... So it's like, you know, Sunday or Sunday, we are, we are in the house of God. We are enjoying the presence of God. So you mustn't have the mentality of, oh, I want to leave. I want to leave. I want to run away quickly. Where are you going? And you know, you are not even going to do anything productive when you go back home. So don't be in a hurry to leave church and then interact with others. After church, make friends. You don't know what that phone number you, you, you take will manifest into later in life hallelujah yeah god works in very mysterious ways very very mysterious ways so interact with others after church two go over your notes and make an attempt to listen to the sermon again Go over your notes and make a lot of people their their church notebooks are just decorations. It's like they satisfy their conscience. If you'll be honest with you, when was really when when was the last time you actually took your sermon notebook to go through again while listening to the sermon again? But these are things we must do because anytime I listen to a sermon again, I hear something I didn't hear something makes sense that didn't make sense before you realize that the message is consolidated in us look there's a reason why the word of god is likened to a seed in the bible you see in the cycle of a seed when you plant it when the word is preached it's like a seed has been planted inside you when a seed is planted the last stage is not for the seed to grow and bear fruits that is the mentality a lot of people have. Let me bear fruit. Let the word show in me. No. After the bearing of the fruit, the fruit must also produce seed again for replanting. So it's not just about the word showing in your life, but you must also plant the word in somebody's life. That is, that is the cycle. The fruit also has seed for the thing to be perpetuated. Have the mentality of knowing the word and, and interacting with the preaching from an angle of, I also want to be a blessing to somebody with this message. When you have that mentality, 
you study the thing better you see we must see ourselves as students of the bible a lot of believers don't see themselves as students of the bible if we saw ourselves as students of the bible we always go back to what has been preached we always go back and read again that is why the Bereans were commended in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 they didn't only receive the word or Paul's message with eagerness the Bible said they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth and this is something I encourage go and check read the scripture for yourself the way it was interpreted is it really like that and if you have questions you contact try and contact the preacher contact the pastor must be open to such things i don't think if your church member asks questions about a sermon that has been preached it is disrespect of spiritual authority it's not it's not this is the word of god <laughs> we must be open to explain where you are coming from hallelujah in fact it's it, it's it's something i intend to start doing with the various cells now I was, I was telling the pastors about it recently that at least now COVID has showed, shown us that we don't always need physical meetings. You can have online interaction sessions, cell by cell, or we put two cells together. Okay, let's talk about the sermon that was preached on Sunday. Do you have any questions? How do you, did you understand this? Ask questions generally. So it's time for the pastor to explain things. Because sometimes you think you've preached and the way the people have understood the thing. There have been a few iron sharpened iron sessions we've had. And the way people have explained some things that I said, I said hey, <laughs> this is not how I meant this thing to be understood. So it is always important to, to place yourself so that you can correct some of those misconceptions. Hallelujah. Yeah. So we must see ourselves as students of the Bible. And now that messages are shared online, uh, you have access to the recordings of the message. All of us must share the word of God and now technology has made it very easy to be a sharer of the word of God you don't have to be the preacher you just have to press share on whatsapp or facebook or instagram or wherever it is share the word share the word put accepts of it on your status look the enemy is working hard to bombard our minds and our ears with all sorts of things we need to neutralize it by also putting the right kind of information out there when i'm dealing with a christian in the modern world and i'm dealing with a christian in social media i'll go deep into some of these things we must make a conscious effort look when you take facebook you open your facebook page or you open to youtube or whatever the things that come to you it's because somebody has liked something somewhere. It's because somebody has shared something somewhere. Whether they are things that have wholesome content or unwholesome content, people are pushing these things. When there's a scandal and there's a video on it or people discussing it, you go to YouTube and you uh, the Facebook and then you see thousand and something shares. Meanwhile, preaching. Preaching. Even to get 20 people to share it is a problem. And sometimes I, I wonder why people... Is it that people are shy of the gospel of Christ? But I mean, I have my... My... What word do we use? My theory. For some people, it's because they are living double lives. And so when they share certain things on their status, like people, hey, by you too, hey, when did you also become... 
It's like when you are in church, you are church, but when you are out there, people see you in a different way altogether. And suddenly you are sharing messages on Facebook and sharing messages on status, and you look some way. But some of you, your, 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 your family members don't even know you are born again. But the Bible says, let your light so shine before me. Nobody lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. But that is exactly what you are doing. You light a candle and you put it under a bushel to burn the bushel up. You need to bring it out for all people to see. Hallelujah. So, share the messages. Put excerpts of it on your Facebook page. Somebody has labored in the word to bring it out. Yours, just share it. Just propagate it. And we are all sharing the word of God. That is it. Hallelujah. My prayer for us is that God will give us the grace to know how to behave in church. Behave appropriately in church. Church is so precious. Church is so important. And we need to position ourselves strategically to receive to the fullest and receive to the maximum. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this word. We thank you for these steps and these points that you have given unto us. We pray that they will be cemented deep down in our spirits. We pray that like the parable of the sower, this word will fall on good soil and it will germinate, it will bear fruits for all to see. Give us the grace to be, to come to church on time. Give us the grace to be regular in church. Give us the grace to, to, to study the word and to, and to go back to the sermons when they are preached. Give us the grace to be attentive in church. Give us the grace to do whatever we need to do to benefit fully from church. We thank you, Lord, for this word. We give you glory, we give you praise. Take glory, Father, take glory, Son, take glory, Holy Spirit. Forever, O oh Lord, that word is settled. In Jesus' most excellent name, and we pray it with thanksgiving. Amen. blessed by this message. For more information, reach us on 024-873-7250 or on our Facebook page, The Overflow Worship Center. Stay blessed. Overflow! Overflow!